But today we're going to look at, at exactly that. As we speak this month about the good news, I keep mentioning the phrase corporate evangelism. What does it mean? <laughs> well, one of the older definitions of the word corporate means a unified body of individuals. I thought it's quite an appropriate term to refer to the church. So corporate evangelism is simply that unified body going out and sharing the gospel. <clears throat> but wait a minute. Perhaps you're thinking, that sounds like missions. Isn't that, what, isn't that what missions is? Isn't that what we're already doing? It sounds like maybe I'm splitting some hairs, right? Unnecessarily complicating the definition. We see evangelism sometimes as a singular act. How many evangelisms have we done today? <laughs> right? I go and I share the gospel. I've done an evangelism today. We don't talk like that. Rather, we should see evangelism this morning as an endeavor. An endeavor is defined as follows, a serious, determined effort put towards reaching a goal. If the goal is that people come to Christ and place faith in Him, then what does the determined effort look like? I want us to turn this morning to Romans chapter 15. And you can turn there Hopefully, by the end of this, you will share some of my excitement for our evangelism efforts in the near future. Paul is writing to a group of believers, mostly Jewish, in Rome. They started this church. Paul did not plant this church. The book of Romans is one of the most comprehensive um, books in the Bible regarding the doctrine of salvation, among many other things, but it deals with redemption, it deals with atonement, it deals with imputed righteousness and all these things. It makes for a great Bible study, by the way. But, for this morning's purpose, it also deals with the sharing of that message of salvation. and the need to share it. Why would that be one of the main themes? He, he, he's writing to a church he's never been to. Let's read Romans 5 from verse 8 and consider ev several aspects of this endeavor, this mission that motivated Paul's evangelistic ministry and how we can how we can learn from those aspects and how it can motivate our evangelistic ministry as well here in Whitbank. From verse 8 of Romans 15. 
Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the nations, and sing thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, you nations, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you nations, and load him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah saith, Here shall be the root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the nations in him shall the nations trust. Now the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing and that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, And I myself am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written you more boldly, uh, unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me by God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I have therefore that of which I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought in me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto um, Lycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, ye so that I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, that they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. <clears throat> Lord, this morning we pray we thank you for your word and we thank you for the wonderful message of the gospel and the privilege of carrying it out to our community and to our nation. Help us in this endeavor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, there's a lot going on there. A few important things to note about this passage from verse 8 to verse 13 he writes to dismiss any prejudice that the Jewish believers might have towards uh, the Gentiles. In gospel ministry, by reminding them that this was always promised by God. Then he explains in verse 14 to verse 20 that he is not able to visit the Roman church, yet he speaks so forwardly with them and he gives the reason for his calling to be an apostle to the gentiles and he explains to them this work uh, 
um, this urgency of the gospel, and he says that you are equipped and well able to uh, admonish one another and to grow the gospel where you are, there is a more urgent need that I have to be. He finishes that those that have not heard might hear and understand. And he explains his absence by writing to the church what motivates him in his gospel ministry. And it's to those motivations that we're going to look at this morning. From verse 8, and our first point, it is a hopeful endeavor. It is a hopeful endeavor. He says here, <clears throat> now that the Gentiles, um, sorry, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision of truth to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. One of those promises was Abraham, I, I, I will, I will make your descendants as many as the stars, and I will um, establish you in the land, and, I, uh, and all these covenant promises that were given to the nation of Israel. But Paul reminds him of other promises as well. He says, um, and, ag and again, he's um, from verse 9, um, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Then he quotes Old Testament scripture four times. He says here um, in verse 11, Praise the Lord, all ye nations, and load him, all ye peoples. That's from Psalm 117. There's just two verses in that psalm. That's one of the verses. Let me read to you the, um, the other verses here. The, the next one, verse 10, is from Deuteronomy 32. Verse 9 is from Psalm 18. Verse 11 is Psalm 115. Verse 12 is from Isaiah 11. He says, from the Psalms, from the Mosaic Law, from the books of the poetry, God has promised the gospel, his salvation to all the nations. Remember the promises made to your fathers. Jesus Christ was born a Jewish man in Judea, and the, the promised people received that salvation first but it was never intended to stop there. And he writes it so that the brethren in, in Rome might not show any prejudice to who they share the gospel with, to who they make disciples from, that they do not hold, withhold the gospel from anyone. And so that is our first motivation the endeavor of hope. It is a hopeful endeavor because it has been promised to everyone. We're all Gentiles here today. Where would we have been if the gospel wasn't carried out of Palestine to the rest of the world? If 
missionaries didn't come here and go there and, and share the gospel throughout history. Where would we be if it was not for God's sovereign grace to include us all in this wonderful hope? In verse 13, it says, Now that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Where would you be if somebody didn't take the time to explain the gospel to you? The next point, it is a transforming endeavor. He says, the offering up of the Gentiles, we we're picking it up in, um, in verse 16, that I should be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It is a transforming endeavor. You see, there's a massive problem in society. It's called sin. A society built on twisted, seared, subjective consciousness of skewed moral compasses and individual personal um, truths. We get to a pretty grim place. That was the Greeks at the time, the, the, the empire was, was, was pagan um, completely. And, um, and it is in this environment that the gospel went out from the promised nation. And so Paul says, sin is a heart issue and it's at the heart of it all ultimately. It is the rebellion against God. Then the cure is, oh goodness, salvation. The cure is salvation in Jesus Christ. Is the PC still on there? Okay. Salvation in Jesus Christ. The, the gospel message, it says even in Romans, is the power of God unto salvation. The idea is that the gospel takes hold in a, in a person's heart. And through the gospel message, it spreads to the family and to the friends. And enough people hear that gospel influence, the transforming power of the Spirit, the sanctifying influence of the Spirit in the believer's life spreads from the family to the workplace and then into the organization and the community and eventually the city and the, and the society at large. And what do we have then? We have less crime. Justice is fairly administered. Pol politicians serve the people. Business is done honestly and ethically. People are treated equally. You get the picture. That was, that was what 
God intended the nation of Israel to be sanctified, set apart. And Paul says, just as the nation of Israel was sanctified and set apart, the gospel will have that sanctifying power on the world. And even the Gentiles can be set apart and sanctified and raised up, pleasing to the Lord. That should motivate us when we complain about our, our situation and our politicians and our, um, our lot in life. What is the solution? What is the cure? The gospel. The gospel preached. That is the only thing that can cure the cause. Sin. Fallen world. That should motivate us to share it. So the second motivation, it is a transforming endeavor. It is a saturating endeavor. Point three. Here it says... Um, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought in me. <clears throat> so Paul gives all the honor and glory for everything he does to God. He says, um, through word and deed. It's deed singular. It's implying through word, the message of the gospel, and through deed, the evangelism of that message, the sharing of that message at the end of verse 18. He says, and this was achieved through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round about unto um, Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. <coughs> Paul did have... Um, did achieve miracles, and the only reason from Scripture that a miracle through a person is ever done is to authenticate the message and the messenger. We have the full and completed message right here, and it has been authenticated. We, we don't need miracles the way that Paul did, and the Bible says that we should trust this more fully but back then they didn't have this paul needed to authenticate his message and he was empowered by the spirit to perform miracles we're not empowered in the same way but we have the same spirit the holy spirit indwelt in all believers we are equipped to the same level of sufficiency that he was that we have everything we need to achieve this mission. So the same spirit that wrought these miracles in Paul is the spirit that allows us to share the gospel today. But it is so... <clears throat> um, I got the two points swapped around. I apologize. Um, it should be that it is an empowered endeavor. From 18 and verse 19, it is an empowered endeavor. 
and then it is a saturating endeavor. And if, um, uh, it's still part of verse 19, <clears throat> where he says that the gospel was preached in Jerusalem and round about and all the way up to this Roman province. By the way, it's over 2,000 kilometers. The southern border of this Roman province was over 2,000 kilometers away from Jerusalem. <clears throat> and he says here that I have fully preached the gospel in verse 19. The idea is that he has said everything that is needed to be said. He fully preached it in all of its aspects so that there is no misunderstanding, there is nothing left unsaid. And he did it round about Jerusalem in every place that he could. If you look on a map of Paul's missionary journeys, he went to dozens and dozens and dozens of places. This letter would have written, been written during his second missionary journey. He did three. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine if here in Whitbank, the gospel is so saturated that there isn't a shopping center, a business, a, a school that hasn't heard the gospel a door that hasn't been knocked on to share the gospel. Wouldn't that be something? Unfortunately, <clears throat> the gospel is not even preached in most churches anymore. The place that it should begin. Word church doesn't even mean what it's supposed to mean anymore for many people. False teachings is, is rooted not at the back there, but in pulpits. The next point, it is a coordinated endeavor a coordinated endeavor. It says, as it is written, um, uh, sorry, verse 20, so, we, so I have strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. <clears throat> so earlier in the chapter, he's, he had encourages the Roman church. He says that you are equipped, you are well able to admonish one another and he says, it would be redundant for me to come there and to preach the gospel and to lay a foundation that you, the church at Rome, has already laid. My, my, my efforts are, are needed elsewhere, and you guys continue with what you are doing, saturating your community and your city with the gospel We can have two Bible churches next to each other, but they shouldn't be evangelizing the same communities. And we kind of do. Spring Valley is just five minutes away. But we're evangelizing very different communities, and I think that's wonderful. It would be great if we could have a Bible-preaching church on every street corner. <laughs> 
but don't, don't overlap your evangelism efforts. That's why, traditionally, evangelism has been far away. <clears throat> In the early church, the gospel was, was saturated. He says that. And so the next logical place to take the gospel was further and further and further away. <clears throat> There's church history that uh, strongly indicates that Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, was martyred in Germania. That's on the other side of Italy. That's, that's, um, that's thousands and thousands of kilometers away from Jerusalem. That's how far they carried the gospel. And they didn't take an airplane and start here and go, was preached and preached and preached and preached. <clears throat> in, in the Middle Ages, they lived in, in nations that at least on, uh, was at least built on a Christian ethos. People, regardless of whether people placed personal faith in Jesus Christ, they knew the Bible. They, they knew what the gospel was. They, they lived um, at least on an intellectual level, believing in God. Maybe not understanding the gospel fully or, or being convicted, but they knew it. So evangelism had to take place elsewhere. It says in verse uh, 21, whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and whom they have not heard shall understand. We can't share the gospel. Everyone knows it. <laughs> Let's go further out. <clears throat> and we get to today, and we don't see the same picture. We see a picture of a society so far removed that it, it resembles a pagan culture. Everyone can believe what they want. Agnosticism is rampant. Humanism is, um, is the order of the day. Uh, humanism is the worship of self. <laughs> there is no God. There is only me. <laughs> Bible illiteracy. People go their entire lives without ever opening this book. That was my case. I was 21 or 19 and I had opened the Bible for the first time in my life. Churches don't preach the gospel anymore. People sit in churches for 10 years, never, when they hear it, it is new information to them. So we send missionaries out. All of our missionaries are in South Africa. Because there's a need. The need isn't far away in some distant country. It's at our doorstep. They evangelize in cities and communities exactly like this one. So to get to the end of the passage, 
want to ask the question again that we asked initially. What's the difference between missions and this, this corporate evangelism, this idea of church community evangelism? Technically, there is no difference, and that's the point. We, send, we support missionaries and we send them out. But the gospel is not saturated here. We are a missions church. And if we have any legitimacy to that claim, we need to be evangelizing and doing missions on our doorstep. Missions must begin here in our communities. And I want this to motivate our efforts and that you be motivated to share the gospel, to endeavor to strive for it, as it says in our passage, to apply effort. As a church, let's do missions. Get involved. <clears throat> we bought several French Bibles, 30 or 40, I think. They're, it's on their way. Mandre is... Um, uh, helped us with the initiative. It's actually his idea. We are going to, um, to share the gospel with a large um, African-French community in Whitbank. Pastor Stimbiso is going to get involved. We're going to do that over the next few weeks. We're going to, we're doing something. And hopefully in the future we'll do even more and we're having a missions conference. You can see it out there. We're starting on Friday. Come. We're having an evangelism workshop on the Saturday to equip you, to give you the tools to confidently share the gospel. Come to that. Come on Sunday and hear our missionaries preach and share the needs in their community. I hope, I pray this morning that we are motivated to pursue this endeavor and that these points from our passage this morning can help in that motivation. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we do thank you for this time. We thank you that you have given us the gospel message and that you have, in your sovereignty, said that, that we must carry it forward. We thank you for that. We thank you that you have in, included us in, in the wonderful plan of redemption. 
I pray that we do not take it lightly, that we remember that the gospel was given to us as well, and that we may carry it forward. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> thank you. You're dismissed. Have a blessed day further.